Well, it's COVID. We have to cough into the microphone. <laughs> I'll want something for you to cut out later. Yeah, cough into your armpit. Try and try and cut that out. <laughs> Isn't that what they tell you to do? Oh, is it? Cough into your armpit. No. In a podcast? No. Oh, just for health just reasons. Oh, I think it's behind your knee. <laughs> That's the safest. Cough into your pinky toe. <laughs> I thought you meant for sound quality. Because <laughs> I'm often like turning my head to like drink. Oh, right. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> well, there's some behind the scenes stuff for you. For ya. Well-oiled machine over here. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, Selena. Nikki. <laughs> Give me much to work with. How are you? I'm good. And hello, everyone. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Hot, shh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Oh, my. Oh, oh you're going to take, you're going all in. <laughs> okay. If you're going to commit, what commit. Is, is the second city now? <laughs> um, it's been a minute for us. Yeah, not for y'all. Well, maybe. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what order you're, maybe you'll listen to this. Maybe it's 2027. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's not 2027 right now. It's 2022, but it has been a month. Since we recorded. This is Nikki keeping us on track. That's Go on. a long time. What have you been up to it's in the last time. month? It's all, not as much as I probably should have been. I mean, I feel like <laughs> everything I'm going to say is going to really date this. So I apologize. Okay. For that. <laughs> but first of all, the most important thing is that you need to know what my state of mind is right now. Okay. All of you. I got spring fever like a mother. I get that. I yeah. got to get out. But I'm here. Except you walk outside today and it's snowing. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we had that, to- like that whole false or fake spring or whatever. We really took, we took that all the way. Took it all the way. I got sunburned last weekend doing yard work. And then today it's snowing. My friend in Kentucky, it, she sent us the pictures. They have snow right now. They're thinking it could get up to like 2015 snowpocalypse levels for them. Oh, no. It's like the last time they've seen something this significant. Uh-huh. I think there's like five inches right now. And um, it was 60 degrees before all of this happened. Wow. Thank God that climate change isn't real. I know. I Imagine really if it were real. <laughs> that would be terrible. It would be so terrible, but it's just, it's just funky spring in the South. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's just weird. Like we're this all every lucky. year yeah. for the last 25 years. Yeah. We're both looking at each other like we're dead. So I just <laughs> want to be clear in case anybody doesn't pick up on the subtle sarcasm. <laughs> so what do you do with your spring fever? Uh, I bottle it. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. That's one I does. bottle it and I like sometimes cry a little. Oh. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I really haven't cried. I do a lot of yard work. Which maybe might oh, make some people cry. you go outside. That's smart. Oh my, last week. How did you stay inside last weekend? I didn't. Okay, Actually, good. that's probably a good segue to say that I did go to this thing. I threw something up on social. I went to um, the Mad Hatter's, hold on, I'd write it down. Mad Hatter Gin and Tea Party. Oh, that was last weekend. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a holdover from like another time you had done that. No, I went, we went the final day that it was here in Atlanta. So uh, for anybody that was in Atlanta, I subtly wanted to show you what you might see there. Oh. Um, and so like I tagged them and stuff. It was nice. They replied to us. And oh, good. thanked us for coming. Um, it was, an immer- for those of you who don't know what this thing is, it is an immersive experience where they kind of took the whole tea party thing from Alice in Wonderland and just played on that. So like there was a, it's in downtown. It's like where the peach drop is, oh, like uh-huh. that part of downtown. And 
Um, they took this a uh, couple of rooms. They had tables out, uh, lots of flowers all over the place, hanging from the ceiling. Uh, very like all of those kind of stereotypical things that you would see, like on a tea table. Mm. Um, and uh, and then like there was very light snacks, very light. Oh no! Yeah, I would have. I would have. I would have. Put a little bit more effort into the snacks if I like was there. How light? Like celery sticks or like tea like, sandwiches? There were three of us, and they shorted us to uh, shorted us a cookie. Like there was only oh. two cookies for three for people. three people. Yeah, yeah, but it was like the tea fair there, and they their tea sandwiches were really good, but we only got one a piece. And you know they're little triangles. So you're at a table by yourself, and then they serve you. We're all together on at a big long okay. table, and but they serve you individually. Uh, yes, at per party. Okay. So, like, we came in, and they're like, how many is in your party? Three. Okay, here you go. Okay. And on the way out the door, I really wanted to be like, hey, can I, we get a third cookie? Oh, I totally would have. <laughs> I wanted to, but at the same time, they weren't that good. So, oh. I was like, it's fine. They were like Sandy's. So, what's the draw? Uh. Tell me the good part. So, you get, so I guess the other part is, and you're, I know you're going to call me out. So, obviously, I don't. Well, I don't know, obviously. I'm not, I'm not, I don't drink. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there were, it's a gin tea party, right? So there were three drinks given across the thing. I had the mocktail version of each one. I think it's more just this immersive idea where they've decorated something and you feel like you're in the world of Alice in Wonderland, which I think they did a fairly good job of, you know, I mean, I, um, have been in like that uh event planning world before it's very hard that's a difficult job um so i i think it was a very difficult task to especially with the flower part for it not to be a billion dollars yeah to put out all those flowers so they made it like a little darker in the room Mm -hmm. i think so you could see that you weren't on that aisle at hobby lobby of flowers that you're like nope yeah (laughs) too fake right (laughs) head to the next one um so uh, so I think they did, I think they did a pretty good job. It was cute. They took us in through a back door and they had, uh, the little bottles that you, Oh, that's you cute. Know, yeah. Take me. And then, yeah. and it was a little shot for everybody. That's cute. Um, and I think they did a really nice job of not making you feel too like out of the loop for doing the mocktail experience. Oh, instead. that's good. You don't feel like a weirdo. Yeah. We got um, one mocktail over here right. for the non-drinker. Oh, she's a real pain in the butt. Tipsy totaler over here. What do you call it? Teetotaler. Yeah, the tipsy totaler. <laughs> the tipsy teetotaler. Well, haven't we all been the tipsy totaler before? <laughs> um, so, but like, I think they, they tried really hard to make it subtle yeah, for that. That's um, good. And so I can't speak to, they said the drinks were strong. Actually, well, um, there you go. My friends did. I'm now understanding the the buy, the sell, the buy, the sell. I guess. <laughs> um, I thought I thought they were pretty good. They actually said one of them, the mocktail version, was better than mine. They did one with the smoke bubble oh, on yeah, top yeah. of the tea. Mm-hmm. I think the bubble is supposed to stay, guys, and it oh. popped on ours. Um, but it still looked cool. Like, um, God, I hope these people don't listen to this podcast. I mean, it was still good. I just, I mean, like, was it? I, it was good. I know her voice is really high. Yeah, it was, I mean, but it it was good. I think. It's, it's just, it's like this podcast. It's easy for me to sit here and talk about the things I would do differently. Oh, right. I'm not doing it, but like, it's easy for me to sit here and say, here's the things I would have done differently. The other thing that I think really just didn't work for me, and then we'll move on because this actually isn't the Mad Hatter podcast, um, unless you're into it. I am. Uh, could be something. <laughs> um, the other thing that I would have changed a little bit is I 
they were actors. And sometimes they were bringing people in to like do different things or participate. Mm -mm. They had people up dancing. Mm -mm. They had, yeah, you would not have enjoyed this part. Mm -mm. Um, and they, they carry like a very loose plot across the entire experience. Um, like where the, uh, queen is coming in over the speakers and like all of this. Um, Nikki has a terrible, <laughs> no, not for me look on her face. And we were all scared when we realized there was acting involved. I want to say props to the Mad Hatter. And there was also another, like the field Dormouse and another character. I think they did a good job. I just don't care for it. You know, it's like someone who doesn't like a certain thing in their food, but they know the food is quality, right? But they're like, right. ah, cilantro is Like not my mom me. and cilantro. I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah, my mom it, would be like, I can't do that. It's very much so like that. So for me, I'm like, I do a little bit of it. Like, I wouldn't even mind, like, the servers being dressed, dressed up. up and, and in theme, yeah. But I don't need you. Like, I am there with people I like, so. We don't need dinner theater. I want to participate with the people I'm with. Right. And I don't want to have to be quiet to listen to you act. That's my only thing. I get that. Yeah. I will say, because you said unless you're into it, and the only thing I'll add to that is I, I am very into like the Mad Hatter, Alice in Wonderland thing. When we were in England, we did a high tea that was Mad Hatter, Alice in Wonderland themed. Mm -hmm. um, again, similar experience. The food was not that great. We had done another tea at the National Portrait Gallery that was amazing. The food was incredible. But this Mad Hatter one was at a hotel, sort of like a minimalist, nouveau sort of hotel. The food was really kind of terrible. But they had the china that had like the, um, just that weird perspective, like a, a melting clock sort of thing is coming to oh, mind yeah. for me. And yeah. it was really well Love done that. environmentally. There was no like mm. acting or anything, but the, the environment, I think Alice in Wonderland just lends itself well to that sort of sure remake or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And then we just all have to remind ourselves not to look too closely. Don't look too Lewis closely. Kid. Yeah. Don't look too closely at anything. It's fine. She's 12. It's great. Wonderful. We did uh, recently, we did a Taylor Swift dance party at the masquerade. My husband is just convinced this is a massive ploy to make gobs of money. He's like, wait, I'm confused. Is Taylor Swift going to be there performing? I'm like, no, they're just playing her music. And he's like, are you telling me someone's going to walk up and plug in their iPhone or do Bluetooth and play Taylor Swift music and you're all going to pay $18 a person to go do this? But she's not getting money, is she? Is I she? don't know. I'm not actually <laughs> sure. And I'm afraid, speaking of not wanting to look too closely. <laughs> I don't know. Don't look too closely and don't call me a bad Taylor Swift fan. It was very fun. Yeah, I want to say I want to hear about that experience. It was very fun. It was at the Masquerade here in Atlanta mm -hmm. in Underground. Um it so was, we were both in underground. Yeah. You know what? When you Different said where the period. peach drop is, I was like, that feels like exactly where we were. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It was super fun. Me and another uh, and two other friends went and they just played Taylor Swift music all night. You literally just dance and I do drink. So it was a long night. <laughs> Uh, Good for you. But it was so fun. And we had dinner beforehand at the Southern Gentleman, I think was the name of it, in um, Buckhead where all those fancy shops are, like the Spanx headquarters is there now. So it's like if you're coming up Peachtree and Lennox is on your left and you keep going over mm, that road, I'm forgetting where the container store used to be. Oh, Bones is there. Uh -huh. Keep going. It's just on your left after that. Mm, okay. um, and there's a lot of fancy shopping there. But the, so like the heart of that area. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was a nice restaurant. It was mostly like... I wouldn't go there for a main course, but for like a bunch of appetizers, we just shared a bunch of appetizers. It was delicious. Y'all, you're lucky that I don't want to be making noise 
on the keyboard because I want to look up. You want to look up the menu? You know I do. I'll remind you later. Okay. It was it's pretty good. Their drinks were really good. Um, they're like a whiskey based restaurant for the most part. I think is what they try to push in the bar. Um, so what we had was good, uh, and it was a really fun night. I'm glad. Yeah. Look at us getting out into the world, doing the things. And both in underground, which I feel like doesn't get enough credit. Like underground Atlanta, like it just doesn't. Like this building, and I haven't been in this area in years. And I used to live not far from there. But Mm. like I have not been there in years. And like just like beautiful exposed brick. Like you're... All these shops are literally underground, right. so it's way cooler, which is nice because, you know, except for today, it's about to be hot as Hades outside. Right. So, like, I, just the whole construct and concept of it's really smart for a place like Atlanta. I so. cannot remember. We went to the Masquerade a couple years ago after it moved to underground. Um, but other than that, I haven't been to underground in a long time. My clearest memory of underground Atlanta was 1996 when we oh, moved yeah. here during the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to underground and I got nail polish that is charged by the sun oh. and makes it glow. That is very 96. And Oh, and change colors. I think I had two kinds. The one I, I it would change colors too. And I loved it so much. Absolutely. But I didn't see that store when we went nine o'clock at night because it also didn't start till nine o'clock at night yeah we see you nine needed to be o'clock. fueled by alcohol I, let me tell you what yeah. boy was I. <laughs> uh and i told her to drop some pictures and two stories and someone decided not to but that's another that's was another thing it was a long night <laughs> I make it sound like debauchery. It wasn't. It was very fun. Uh, and they just announced like 30 more of these dance parties. So Taylor, if you're not making money off that, you've made enough money off of me other ways. Um, Taylor fans, this is a great way to hear her music. Yeah. That's what's been going on. Yeah. Have you been reading anything? I have been. Why do you look at me like that? Because I was trying to remember what I'm reading. Oh. I'm reading two things very, very slowly. Uh, unicorn's face. Mm. Let, let me just leave, let me leave totally dead air because that'll sound good. And it's <laughs> I gonna, read uh, now I'm gonna, books and pages. <laughs> yeah, because I I read lots of books. Yeah, Devil in the White City is the other one. Oh, okay. I, I keep flip flopping back between the two, and of course I get about two pages in a night, whether I need to or not, because I start reading and I get so sleepy. I do. We're also binging or trying to. Because it's a whole another story, but Killing Eve, oh. that show is so good. Mm. Oh my god, I'll it's take so your good. word for it. Yeah, um, yeah, probably. I can't. Well, I just can't add anything else to the list. Yeah, it's it's dark mm. and funny, and it's it's so many different things. Yeah. I I didn't realize it was by the woman who also did Fleabag, and she just has a very specific type of humor that really taps into my dark side. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, you're just so fluffy and sweet. I don't <laughs> think that that's going to work for you. I, I mean, think you'll be like, Selena, you're insane. I was just thinking my dark side is watching love is blind and realizing how dark the world is. Season two is real different. We Are described. you watching it? Yeah. You, got, you finished it. Yeah. So I okay. don't know where you're at. I'm not caught up. up. Okay. I'm not caught up, but I've read all of the, like, I kind of know all the spoilers. Yeah. I have to know what happens to these people sure. while I'm watching it. It's just too much uncertainty for me. It stresses me out. But my God, there are some some 
real dirt holes on there. Yeah. Wait till you get to the reunion. There's some real good. There's some, because like, I feel like the last reunion I was kind of ho-hum. Mm. But this one, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a car crash and I can't look away. away. Yeah. Like we're even like uh, the people who made the show, Nick Lachey yeah, and, and Vanessa. And, uh, yeah. They like get involved. Oh yeah. I, I'll stop there. Oh my. I don't want to spoil. Yeah. So, yeah. so Kyle has heard me watching Love is Blind a couple of times and he's like passively watching it with me and he just laughs because I get like deeply uncomfortable, like to the point where I'm covering my face. I'm like, oh my God, they just said that. Um, and my palate cleanser lately has been this woman on TikTok. Her name is Mrs. Dutchie mm-hmm. and she takes these um, tumblers like cups and decorates them with, I think it's resin like resin epoxy or whatever, but she makes these like marble tie-dyed things. He's also laughing at me because he comes in every night and I'm watching that. That's, that's my entertainment. It's just watching her make these cups in real time. She takes orders on her website and then she zooms with the person who bought the cup and they get to custom make the cup and we get to watch it live. That's brilliant. And I found her her. because for her, right. I I found it because this guy said he was watching it. It just shows up in his feed. He was watching it and she had decided she was going to stop zooming the clients and she was going to just take their comments through the chat feature in TikTok. And um, the audience misled her and she messed up the cup. So it was this like massive drama for her. And so she ended up having to go back to the Zoom where she's just with the client one-on-one hearing what they're saying instead of taking comments from the peanut gallery. Oh. This is why we can't have nice things. But that's how I found yeah. this woman. So on the one hand, I'm sad that happened to her. On the other hand, I'm like, yeah, it did because I got to hear about her. And now I watch her like every night. Yeah, that sounds soothing. It's very soothing. And I've already picked out like my colors. And every night I go back and forth on what my... she's. Are you uh, going to get one? She's back ordered right now. But in two weeks, she's going to restock. And I'm going to see if I can get one. <gasps> Good for you. Can we, can we video you videoing with her? Oh, that sounds... Meta? Very meta and like a lot. But I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to try. Okay. I'm willing to try. Okay. But what are we here for, Selena? We're not here for this chit chat. <laughs> you totally forgot. I don't remember. <laughs> let's just, you know what? Let's just wrap up season two of Designing Women. Let's wrap up season two. Okay. Maybe we can just dive back in next season and just cover Love is Blind, or maybe we can just do Miss Dutchie. Yeah, we're, hey, hey, whatever. Options are open. open just kidding. We'll come back for season three of Designing Women. But today we're going to do a season two finale finale. Mm-hmm. which is something we started last year, which might seem like overly complicating things for people, but it's a chance for us to do like a, almost like a season in review sort of thing. A it's chance almost to, a palate cleanser. Palate cleanser. A finale finale, if you will. <laughs> so we look back at designing women and certain aspects of it, but we can also look back at Sweet Tea and TV and certain aspects of this podcast, which has taken up a significant portion of our lives. <laughs> it's worth looking back on. She means that in a positive way. Yes, sorry. Like, it's the light of my life. My unicorn space, if you will. The light of my life and also a lot of my life, which is what I heard you say the first time. A lot of my life. That's the same, isn't it? So we got some things. We got some things we want to cover today. Mm-hmm. We want to do a by the numbers. I love these things. I love to look back at things and like assign numbers to them. What we're going to do this time, we're going to average out our ratings for the season episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to make those ratings work for us. That's right. Nikki made me do math. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just dusting off that part of your brain. So good. Then we're each going to share our top three moments of Designing Women season two. Mm-hmm. Our personal best moments from Sweet Tea and TV season two. 
Okay. I may have misunderstood that assignment, but okay. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> we know how that goes. Uh, the th- third thing we want to do, we're going to some of the references. Let's make the references work for us. Mm-hmm. Let's book, look back at some of the things we had to look into this season. So like 80s So they're going to look into us now. What? What? You said <laughs> let's make them work for us. We're making them work. Oh, I thought they were going to work for us. Like they were going to look into us as references. Yes, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Nikki's about to fire me from Let's the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Nikki's about to do an open call for a host. <laughs> a co-host. That's I'll, how we're going to end this finale I'll finale. <laughs> that would be exciting. It would be. Yeah. Get some audience participation. Woo! <laughs> uh, so we're going to look at the references a little bit. And then uh, we've got a, a special extra sugar. Ooh. We're finally going to dig into Linda Bloodworth Thomason. LBT. I know so much about this woman and yet so little after putting this extra sugar together. Ooh, I'm excited. But I think it's going to be a good one. So you ready? I'm ready. Come on, y'all. Let's get into it. Always be recording. AVR. So, over the course of the season, we've rated 22 episodes. 22 episodes of Designing Women. I have good news. You didn't. That aligns with the number of episodes that I looked at my score for. So, we're good. Perfect. (laughs) Good. All right. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go back through them one by one. Episode Uh, one. I have a a table with each score laid out if you would like me to go through my scores one by one. I will tell you that one, I could not find my rating. (laughs) And that episode had not aired yet. So, I also had no way of finding it. So, I had to guess. So, but only on one episode. It should be in our shared folder. I don't... Okay, well, this is a... Off air <laughs> Anyways, Nikki. Yes. What was your average score over the course of the season? 3.63. Oh, my God. It's so funny. All right. I came in at 3.64. Really? That is really close. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's really close. Also, like a solid B+. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's my real... Is it, though? Or is that a C+. Plus? If it was a rating of five. Wouldn't four be an a B? Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told so you glad I'm here. The mathematician of Al- the show. Also, <laughs> is my three point six more even right? <laughs> I probably should have sent my math to be checked. I like coming. I'm like eight. <laughs> For those who maybe not don't remember or maybe you were like you know where i'm going to tune in for the first time season two finale finale there could be those people yeah we rate it every time one out of five right so that's that way you can laugh at my math on what is a b plus or c or and you know what if someone feels that strongly about double checking our math then they're called our uber fans and we want to hear from them that's maybe Maybe. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to hear from that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uber decide. fans or Uber haters, I guess. I'm trying to decide. I don't know. Um, either way, I still feel like that's like, yes, okay, technically season average, but we're at the high end. Like, we're almost, you could put it at a four, which would be a B. This okay. is, if rounding up yeah, would be a B. Yeah, we're rounding up. Let's talk about all the math things that we can do with these numbers. But anyway, so I think that's pretty solid footing. But what I wanted to know 
is do you think what it, your average came out to be, do you think that's on par with how you would have rated the season as a whole? You know what's really funny is that I guessed my rating before I actually did my math. Did you guess 3.63? No, I guessed 3.25. Okay. So a little bit lower. Yeah. But it wasn't massively off yeah. for which... I don't care that much, except I was like, ooh, I was so close. <laughs> Not yeah. that bad off. So I guessed it, I was guessing it would have been lower. And so since you would have guessed it would have been lower, like, like why? So I felt like at times the season really dragged. Mm-hmm. Like I sort of look back on the season and if, if I was really excited to watch episodes, then I feel like, ooh, this was a good season. I wasn't overly excited to watch a lot of the episodes this season. There was mm-hmm. like a lot of Reese and not to like, double down on that but there was a lot of Reese and I just really every time he comes on I get a little angry he mm-hmm. makes me a little mad mm-hmm. um so there were a few of those episodes honestly some of them I've even forgotten like heart attacks I if I had not gone back and look at the epi- looked at the episode titles before this I totally would have forgotten that episode um but I did have three perfect scores this season so um, How Great Thou Art, Stranded, and Killing All the Right People got perfect scores from me. Yeah. So there were some real high moments, too, in the season. Mm-hmm. I just felt like for the most part, it wasn't my favorite season. So that's why when you said B+, plus, I was like, no, that can't be right. Because <laughs> I would not give this a B plus. I'm more in the C camp. That's fair. I Okay, so I sort of looked at it as going back and thinking about the first season. I do think season two was better than season one. I do. Uh, For one, the cast feels more gelled. Mm -hmm. I think when I was watching this season several times, I had a passing thought about how it looked like everyone was actually enjoying each other. Oh, uh I saw like real smiles from people. They were smiling at that. The idea of this person, it almost felt like more Mm. so than in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like I could see them smiling like, God, Delta's funny, Mm -hmm. you know, more so than like, God, you know, Suzanne just landed a real whopper or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So I felt that. I saw that. I also did like the LBT took on serious issues several times throughout the season. You know, I, maybe it's because the show was getting popularity by then. Um, I'm not sure, but it worked for me. Not every time, but on the whole, I think she was trying to do more. Mm -hmm. And, Thinking back to the first time I watched season two all the way through and just watched them bam, 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 one after the next. I don't know if you remember this or not because it's been a while. But, like, I had texted you, and I think we even talked about this here at some point. Like, I cried several Mm -hmm. times. Like, back to back, there were, like, little things that just got me. And um, especially towards the beginning of the season. I feel like that really waned towards the end of the season, which I think matches up with what you're saying, which is things sort of dragged. Yeah. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is a lower point for it. I also think it's a really good argument for not doing 22 episodes of anything. That's a lot. You just don't need to do that. It's just yeah. old school thinking. And I think for us and the way that we watch television now, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that I sort of have here is, uh, I think, and I really hope that it's only getting better from here at least until the cast changes. Right. So uh, that's what we want to see. And I think that a lot of shows suffer from the sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I I do think there was a little of that, but I don't think it was so terrible that 
like I want to veer away from the show necessarily. Mm. Uh, so that's good. So do you, did I miss this? Do you think your score, like if you hadn't seen your score, would you have thought your score for the season was higher or lower? I think I would have thought it was lower. Okay. So same, same. I, I wonder, I think you're right. But there were a couple that snuck in there where we gave it really high scores. Yeah. I should say snuck in there. I mean, there were a couple of really good episodes that were very well executed, very well done. We didn't have a lot of like, oh, why did they do that moments? And right. I think that sort of bumped the overall score up. Yeah. So. And then there's Reese. <laughs> then there's Nikki's favorite character, Reese got a lawn service outside here well we want you to know that we clean <laughs> we clean our lawns <laughs> selena doesn't do yard work <laughs> i'm just always out there with the windex that's what they do out there right um so hey i've mowed that lawn all right so we've scored the episodes this season maybe it's time to talk about our top three ish moments of designing women season two do you have three I have three. I have three. So maybe we'll tit for tat. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Great. Can I be the tit? Yeah. That means you go first. Okay. And then I tat you. Wonderful. Don't you be tat. I tat your tit. You better, you better be asking permission before you tat people. I will, tits. of course. Oh, my God. It's 2020. <laughs> of course I will. Okay. Well, there's no recovering from that. So my first one's a combination. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It'll make sense. It'll make sense. Okay. It's episode three and ten combined. Like okay. the ideas behind them. And here's why. Three and ten. I'll tell you which ones they are. Okay. You don't have to figure it out. So one is the one we renamed Lucy and Ethel host a dinner party. This is where Anthony's dating Savannah and he wants to impress his parents, her parents. So they form, formulate this whole big lie. About, right. you know, the fact that he comes from money, yada, yada, yada. The second one, 10, we rename things get screwy on the way to St. Louis. But that's where Anthony and Suzanne get stranded at that motel mm-hmm. on the way to design fashionista, whatever it is in St. Louis. Okay. So here's why. Between the two, it feels like Anthony was finally brought into the fold of designing women. Like, for two seasons, we're like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they mm-hmm. going to let this man in? And they, it, these felt like it was happening. Mm-hmm. Episode three specifically gives us the back, back, story, the back story to Anthony's unfortunate incarceration, which was a pivotal moment not only for us as the viewer, but also for the world of the show. Right. And in both episodes, I think the ladies get taken down a peg or two. Mm-hmm. And we both enjoy that a little bit. I do enjoy that. You That's know? true. So they do themselves a little learning. And in three, they, and especially Julia, may see that they've been a little prejudiced against Anthony. And by a little, I mean a lot. Yeah. In episode 10, Suzanne witnesses and to a lesser degree, experiences what Anthony does on a regular basis. And that's being scrutinized and treated differently for the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. She's there to ride shotgun for that experience Mm -hmm. and also get some of that weird whatever about them not being of the same race, ethnicity, you know? And they're also vulnerable with one another in that episode, Suzanne and Anthony, in a way that deepens their relationship. And I love that. Mm. So that's my... Number one, 
Is that a fair pass or am were I in trouble? Gonna, were you going to call that your, that was your tit? <laughs> that, my tat. That was my tea. My tat to that is, uh, I did not combination mine. I think this is a, um, a look into our psyches and how we're different because mine was just Anthony. Just in general, just br- to your point, like bringing Anthony into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually episode 10, Stranded, was the most perfect episode for him this season. Mm-hmm. There was a lot that we learned about him, watching him and Suzanne's relationship come together. All the things you said, mm-hmm. much more eloquently than I'm saying them. Uh, but just Anthony in general was a bright spot for me this season. But quicker. <laughs> <laughs> So fast that I couldn't even go to swallow of water. (laughs) Sorry. I should also say that these aren't in any specific order. Okay. It's not like my number one, my number two, my number three. Right. Okay. That doesn't matter. (laughs) It does to you. It does. If it matters to you, then it matters to me. That's so sweet. (laughs) All right. Episode four. Okay. Killing all the right people. Mm. This is where they plan a friend's funeral who is dying with AIDS. Uh, I think this is both one that we scored a five. Mm-hmm. It's nearly a perfect execution. It was groundbreaking for them. It still holds up even now. The humanity and love in this one was just off the charts. We both also love the strong and closely connected B-plot where Mary Jo debates contraceptions for teens in the school. She gave the most beautiful and impassioned speech And I literally cried every time I watched it. Mm. So that's my number two. It's so funny how aligned we are. Not like perfectly aligned, but it's similar themes. So one of mine was um, Mary Jo Shively becoming Mary Jo not so shively. Oh, look at you. (laughs) But we, so looking back at the episode, so in episode um, two was Ted and Tammy, where um, she confronts a lot of thing, emotional things she's dealing with watching her husband move into another relationship with Tammy or like move through a relationship. Sure. And she deals with these really tough emotions with her kids. And um, I think at times there was, Mary, you just see that like that um, soft Mary Jo, that meek Mary Jo that um, we saw early in season one, and then come back at the end of the season in Ted Bear, where she becomes fully into herself and like says, "I'm too good for you," and has that sort of um, almost the same character development she had in season one, but even more. Right. Almost like exponential in sure. this season. Um, we also, you just brought up something I had forgotten about, which was her, the debate that she had early in the season. That was episode you said five. Mm-hmm. That was really early in the Ooh, season. Four. This, I didn't need to cut you off for that, but I did. Episode four, she says. Uh, but yeah, like she just continues to grow. And like she's always been this funny person who shares her opinion with the other women. But when she gets into these relationships, like with men and, um, like giving a speech to the PTA. She's so nervous, but then she does it and she does it so beautifully. And I just love watching her grow. Right. Uh, you know, she also gave that thing at the funeral too, where she like did the eulogy and the lady passes out in the back. <laughs> it's just funny. Like, I forgot about that they one. They like putting her in these awkward, because she's kind of awkward. She's kind of awkward. Which I love. Yeah. Okay. Because that feels so real and human and yeah. well, I'm awkward as hell. So, you know. Um, Aren't we all? I, I, I like, think we're all a little awkward at this point in life. I mean, the last two years we're just really what, turned supposed me into to go a back creature. out and live? I don't know. <laughs> Hello. What's out here? 
I'm just a creature. I can't make eye contact. I'm just a creature. I'm going to start saying, whenever I get nervous, I'm just a creature. Okay. What do you want from me? <laughs> ah. That was my second one. My okay. tat. Okay. My two tat. Tattoo. Okay. Well, Tattoo. My, well my third tit, which makes me total recall. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lost her. I didn't even know if that joke would land, honestly. <laughs> I'm like, will a total recall joke work in 2022? <laughs> it worked. I don't know if it, it made it into the remake. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Could barely get through the first one. <laughs> so my yes, alien lady. What would you like to tell me? Third top moment is episode 20, which we renamed "A Smidgen of Religion." Mm. Um, this is the one where Charlene is having some struggles with whether or not she wants to stay with her church. I mean, if that doesn't sound like a sitcom, I don't know what does. But the reason I picked that one is because I love Bernice going toe to toe with Charlene's minister over women being leaders in the church. For me, that was perfection, like Aaron Sorkin perfection. And the closest I can think of is this must be what sports fans feel like when their team scores a goal. <laughs> because I was just shy of standing up and cheering. And actually, I may have. Aww. And that's my number three. That's nice. My total recall, if you will. So we're still on the same page because my number three or my third one or my um, one out of order that's number three because we're in no particular order is also episode specific and it's episode eight, the cruising episode. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. When I think back on this season, that was such a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. It was such a silly, nonsensical episode, really added not much to the series, really added not much to any one of the characters, except it was just a darn fun episode. Mm -hmm. Um, you had that uh, Selena sidebar about the act, the um, Charles Pierce. Yes, that was am that was amazing. That character, that person, that personality carried so much of the episode, and it was mm -hmm. just when I think back on the season, that one keeps popping up at the top of my brain. Um, so I, I just think about that one all the time. And as I'm watching, we're pre-watching season three now. Mm -hmm. I keep waiting for my cruising episode because that was just so lighthearted and fun. And that's where I am in life. Well, I hope you get it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were supposed to get an upgrade to Mary Jo's kimono. I'm sorry if I sounded... I mean, my, her wardrobe. I couldn't even get it right. <laughs> Let me start that over again. <laughs> I want you to be able to catch that for when you're editing <laughs> Okay. So our next piece, I think you understood the assignment better than you thought you did, Selena. Perfect. So this next piece in my mind is what we took away from season two of the Sweet Tea and TV podcast individually, but not necessarily just about ourselves. Okay. Does that make sense? Does that track with what you've got? I, I think so. It's more like the way I felt about things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to go first or do you want to, you want to tip No, again? I think I'd like to be wrong. And go ahead and just put my wrongness out there. And then okay. you can critique And then I'll, okay, perfect. Okay. I like that. I 
I enjoy sitting in a, a position of judgment. Okay. Carry on. So let's impress me. Let's go to our corners. <laughs> so my number one is actually extra sugars. Uh, so we're going to tit and tat again. Oh, oh ooh, okay. Well, these just continue to be a high for me. Mm. Uh, I've enjoyed all of yours, but my Thank very you. favorite was your deep dive into country clubs. If folks want to go back, that's episode 19. No, I have no idea what we call that. <laughs> but it's episode 19, season 2. Um, and then, I have to tell you, canned cocktails. No. Oh. <laughs> episode 17. Really close second. I'm going to just put my cards on the table, Nikki. When you told me that you wanted to do one on canned cocktails, I went, okay. Whatever. I was like, all right, what in the heck is she going to do? And then you came in here with all these facts. I have thought about that thing about how, what was it, something about aluminum cans, oh, 80% being still, still used. Still in use. Mm -hmm. I think about that like once a week. <laughs> I like see a can and I'm like, amazing. <laughs> What's your life story? Tell me. So there's that. <laughs> oh, well, that's really nice. I wish I had written down some very specific examples because one of my, my third point was extra sugars. Like you said, we dug into some really well, good stuff up, lady. this I ain't season. Done yet. Oh, carry on. <laughs> Give me some more. Give me some more that I can say yes, same. I want to overdo it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I had two favorites to research. Okay. The first I'm just going to say same. <laughs> <laughs> the first was the history of interracial marriage. That's episode oh, 10. Yep, that was a good one. If you want to go back and listen to that one. And then also my other favorite one to research was Women in Ministry, episode 20. But my favorite to put together was the one on 80s cartoons because we ate a million cereals and Nikki Mays. That next morning, Casey and I really ate cereal in bed and watched 80s cartoons. Did you really? Could barely get through them. They're terrible. <laughs> They're not good. We got through a full episode of DuckTales. I'll never be the same again. And gummy bears, we cut off halfway. Yeah. I was like, I got to cut it. I got to cut it. Now, we can watch DuckTales. I like DuckTales. And Rescue Rangers holds up pretty good. Mm -hmm. Just I almost got through a full season of that, I think, as soon as we got Disney+. Plus. Oh. <laughs> it was like my first stop. I was yeah. like, I need to check this out. It's light. But that was all of mine for number one. <laughs> my eight parts for number one. Well, my number one is the same as yours. It's extra sugars, but I'm going to jump in and put us out of order because I like to watch you think on your feet because you just brought up the 80s. She's looking at me with death daggers in her eyes. You just brought up the 80s cartoon, which uh -huh. brings me to another one of my different points, which was all the themes this year. Mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like, or all this, the season, I feel like listeners can't see them super well. You're taking pictures and sharing them on social media, but unless you're here, here, you don't understand. This doesn't capture the magic. It doesn't, but that like... The Saturday morning cartoons was above and beyond. I mean, I'm not kidding. When there were five different cereals here, and I got to eat every single one. Uh, the Christmas morning one was really good, too. Selena's just outdone herself this season on the themes. I like food. <laughs> I need to eat. And I like to keep us going. I try to, I try to get her boozy every episode. She won't let me. <laughs> I'm always she like, we does. got some bourbon downstairs. That's true. She does. What is that about? She tried to get me to pour bourbon in my cereal. What well, did the process with me till just now? Oh, just, you just try something different. <laughs> or something the same. I don't, hey, look, I don't know what your mornings look like. Not like that, you know. And it's not, not like who am I to judge? You know? It's true. Who am I to judge? 
Am I to ting too? To ting too. I don't know what just happened. You're on your next one, yes. Okay. And I only have one left. Okay. So this is what I would call the little big things. Nikki brings me a coffee every time she comes to the house to record. It's never expected, but always appreciated. So that's from me to you. And most importantly, I just want everyone, I don't want anyone who listens to know how thoughtful you are. Me? Yeah. Oh. Uh, The surprise cookie delivery Mm -hmm. is another awesome example. It was also very yummy. For those who... Mm, Cookies. That was on the cruising episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you also made the cocktails. Oh, that was a good day. Yeah. So, like, we're recording, the doorbell rings... Cookies Throws off there? the whole recording. Then we have to eat cookies. It was terrible. Should we uh, plug Crumble? They are paying us. <laughs> They're not paying us. I am paying them an enormous <laughs> amount of money because I order cookies like every week now. And it's not cheap, but they're delicious. Yeah. Well, tell so them. Good. Go ahead and tell them the good flavor, your favorite flavor. Well, let's not go into all of them because. Oh. Well, okay. you can if you want well, to. I just took a deep breath. Well, you usually get on to me for that, but <laughs> take us through all of them. I don't like it. Well, I was telling Selena, it's too bad this week's recording doesn't. So Crumble releases a new menu every week. They have holdovers. So like they do a chocolate chip cookie every week, but they have a new menu every week with different kinds. This week's is almost entirely cereal flavored. And so there was a Fruity Pebbles like sugar cookie, almost like a Funfetti is how I would describe it. That was mm. in this week's batch. And also um, a... Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Oh, that one was good too. That's not the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the Marshmallow Cornflake, which tastes like a Rice Krispie treat. And it's so good. Mm. Get the to crumble. If you follow them on Instagram, they are announcing openings like all the time. There's probably one near you. It's yeah. worth ordering them. They're really, 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 really good. And They're that, really enormous, too. The chocolate chip cookie, like, I mean, I know it's simple, and I do like to keep it simple when it comes to desserts, because you just know you're going to, you know what you're getting. But, right. You know, and there's not, there's never anything wrong with a cho- chocolate chip cookie, but that wouldn't always be my top choice. Mm-hmm. But, gosh, it's good. It's so funny you say that. My friend texted me this week and said that was her favorite one out of the batch. She's like, I know it's the most simple, straightforward one, but it's so good. We got one. It wasn't my favorite. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Well, there goes our crumble sponsorship. I mean, it's good. I didn't say it was a bad cookie. Of the six that I ordered, it wasn't my favorite because Uh Fruity Pebbles and Corn Flake and the Cinnamon Toast Crunch one, those were all my favorites. Yeah. I wish I could remember the one we got. It was something like cornbread and honey or something like that. I remember that one. I didn't get that one. Was it good? Boy. I love sweet cornbread. Oh, man. That was a tasty treat. Okay, so thank you for joining our Crumble podcast. (laughs) Sorry about that. You know we have to stop and talk about cookie flavors. Just got to do it. Um, But so... I, I just wanted to say thank you, and I like. Th- it, I think it really kind of does connect to yours because there's these things I think that both of us do that nobody ever really gets to see, yeah. and because it's a podcast and a listening experience, but also like all that happens, like uh, you know, like the show's like wedged in between all of those <laughs> other things. Um, and for me, oh. I've loved the opportunity to keep up my own thoughtful muscles, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just want you to know that I have loved these recording days, even mm. when we're stressed out leading up to them, yeah. because it, it's felt like, uh, and things are getting more normal now, but um, we've been doing this for a long time, mm. and it has 
felt like a piece of normalcy mm. in the midst of everything else that we can't control. Yeah. And by God, we control every single little slice of this podcast. And I couldn't <laughs> love anything more. <laughs> Number two. Oh, that's lovely. Well, thank you, Selena. Do we, do we need a moment to say, you're the best podcast co-host I could imagine? Sure. Keep going. <laughs> My last one is in that same vein of thankfulness, but it's fan mail. We've heard from a few people who are listening. I'm calling it fan mail because that makes me feel special. But okay. it's listeners reaching out to us to tell us that they really are enjoying taking this journey with us and going through some of these things with us. And this is totally a hobby. This is totally a passion project. We're doing it because we want to have fun and because we want to share information on some of these Southernisms, things that we're learning about as we go through this old show. I mean, at this point, it's old. And we're, old. there's a lot of stuff we're learning about that even as children of the 80s, we don't know anything about so we're learning these things and so it's just cool that people one are going along with us and every time I see like new downloads in our metrics I'm like oh my god someone somewhere is listening like there was um you know I can't remember which country it was but someone had downloaded us in some other country and I was like oh my god it wasn't Ireland was it well I was gonna say Ireland and then I know that's it that's a friend of the podcast. It was another country. Okay, cool. cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, we have multiple countries. Wonderful. But every time I see a new download, it's just, it's encouraging because this is something that takes up time. It takes energy. It's fun for sure. But as freewheeling, as crazy as this sounds, it is actually strategic and like takes a lot of effort and brain power. Yeah. So for someone to appreciate it and to actually have gotten something from it, it's very cool. I totally agree. And it does sort of uh, provide like these little bursts of energy right when we needed them. It's also got me thought thinking about the flip side, which is there's so much content out there that I enjoy, love, and I never say a word. Yes, absolutely. And so it's got me thinking about just like, do I need to reevaluate like that part of myself? And I, I think, um, you know, I've never really thought about it's just, it's just, again, it's like flexing another muscle. Yeah. Um, Thoughtfulness. Yeah. It truly is thoughtful. And the, I think for me, it's some of it's like low self-esteem. I'm like, they'll never get back with me. But yeah. we've gotten back with every single person who's reached out to us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so like, just like, just a reminder to like, you never know how you might brighten someone's day. I think that's true. And I think you assume that like they're getting so many messages or, and I don't mean us, but I mean, like I'm thinking some of those other podcasts, like the big podcasts and you're like, they must hear from so many people. They, like you said, they'll never get back to me. Um, but really it is like, like you said, every time we've gotten a message this season that is super personal and super like, this is what the show means to me, or this is what I've taken away from the show, or this is why I like it. It is such a burst of energy. Mm -hmm. There was one day I opened my, one night I opened my computer. I was exhausted. I was getting ready to start planning for like our next recording. And I was just so tired. And I was so like, not demoralized, but just like, oh, I got to do it. And then I got a message and I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's like, you know what? I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Let's do something fun and exciting. So it's, that's really fun for me. Yeah. That was my number three. I love that. Okay. My number three is, this is again, more on the feeling range. It's when we hit that final episode on a full recording day and we're just delirious. Yeah. <laughs> I, this happens regularly. <laughs> It's actually not this episode, but I'm feeling like it's this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't call it mania, <laughs> but it's like right next door to it. Yeah. And every time I'm like a little scared, I'm like, what is this going to sound like? And then I hear it and it just sounds like we're having a good time. And I think we are. We're we tired. Are. 
<laughs> Very tired. Probably hungry. Usually a little hungry, or too. Or full. Or full. I've That's only true. ever been two things when we're recording. I'm either starving, like I am now, or but I feel so thin. Or, you know I love that. Or... We've eaten so much food that I'm like asleep on the laptop. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's true. That cereal one almost put you under. It did. That was rough. I mean, the whole weekend was rough. <laughs> it's a real binge for me. Uh, what is the theme music again? <laughs> I'm going to play it. You're going to see it. All right. So we've covered high points of the season we've covered our ratings we covered our personal memories of the season um what we haven't covered is how we sort of end every episode before we get to extra sugar looking at the references mm -hmm. so lbt is clearly well read she's clearly way into culture mm -hmm. and there are a lot of references that can either fly by you or hit you right in the face in every episode um so we usually try to pick up on combination <laughs> Of either 80s, Southern, Unknown, 80s is a separate category, and then references we had to look up or we need to talk about. Um, and then we have our Southern references. So if it's explicitly Southern or we feel like it's got a Southern tie, we like to talk about those. So for this segment, what if we take maybe our top three of, of all the other categories and talk about those, and then our top three Southern references and I, talk about those? I don't want to do that. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is going to get awkward then. This, is, this has been this week's edition of <laughs> References. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can jump in if you want me to. Sure. Okay. So my uh, first one going back through uh, that actually hit me was from the very first episode. And it was the reference to the Four Million by O. Henry. Oh, uh-huh. I think we both wound up looking into the origins on this one, which was New York City's The 400. This is a list of acceptable society during the Gilded Age, ironically named by a Southerner. Uh, this is McAllister, who was born in Savannah, Georgia. He's the one who decided who those 400 people were. So the funny thing that I have to say is there is a show on HBO that just premiered not long ago, called the gilded age oh he's on the show is that right played by nathan lane oh it's yeah wonderful i get that so i was so excited because i knew who it was <laughs> i was all primed and ready i was like i know everything there is to know about the gilded age <laughs> thank you designing women you strike again so that's my number one uh, i really like all the day in the life kind of throwbacks um Along the way. So it's an old show. We just said this. It's an old show. Mm -hmm. But there are just things they say in passing that are just so like normal life. Like looking for movies in the paper. Like in episode 13 and maybe in another episode, they just mentioned looking for movies in the paper. I think if, if you are not a child of the 80s and earlier, that probably is a lost reference on you. Um, uh, in episode two, Anthony had his credit card cut up. And even I was wondering, do they still do, is that still a thing that gets done? Sure. But it was like a common thing, I guess, in the 80s. Um, getting a phone call at dinner that you have to take at the bar. That was in episode 21, Ted Bear, when they're at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really common thing. But like, if you're watching the episode now, watching all these episodes now, you're sort of like, what is that about? But that's just normal life back in the 80s. A time capsule. Yes. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. It's uh, a good, good one. one. That's good. Uh, episode 11, we, uh, this is Howard the Dud. They, it was actually Howard the Date. This is where they go to the high school reunion. It's a little, like, group 
it looks like a group sex date. That's fine. Uh, my second top favorite reference is actually from Extra Sugar on that one. Okay. So I, I, it's a little bit of a twist on the actual idea here. But we talked about the things that we were enjoying way back in December. Mm-hmm. I was watching the third installment of American Crime Story impeachment about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky that included some interesting Designing Women Easter eggs. Mm. And that was just a lot of fun. One, Designing Women specifically gets named in the show um, because this is Paula Jones and her husband. They're like going through the lawsuit process. And they, in addition to wanting an apology from Clinton, they want a walk-on role for her husband Mm, to design women. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then I read some articles about the show at that time and wound up learning that Harry Thomason testified before a grand jury as part of Kenneth Starr's investigation. He also wrote one of Bill Clinton's like really famous speeches around that time. I'm almost certain that's true. I didn't write that one down, but and then in 2001, Paula Jones was married in the historic Little Rock home that is supposed to be the Sugar Bakers, which still blows my mind. So weird. Yeah. So that was my second favorite one. Because we live in a simulation um, and everything comes together, today's extra sugar uh, at the end of this episode is going to be about Linda Bloodworth Thomason. And we're going to talk a little bit about their affiliation with the Clintons. We won't go as far as that, mm-hmm. but we'll talk a little bit about how they, um, how close they were. Oh, okay. Awesome. So my second one was episode 14. Um, There was a reference of a Japanese soldier coming out of the woods after Mm -hmm. World War II. That was just a wild story to me. And Mm -hmm. it was basically that this man did come out of the woods about 30 years, 1974, 30 years after the Japanese surrendered to the Allied forces, and he had no idea that had happened. That is a wild story to me. It is. And I just, my mind was blown. I've never in all of my history classes ever heard that story. And it's just crazy that in watching a totally silly show, that came up. Bubba, Dwayne. (laughs) It's over. I can't remember what she said, but it was so, she's so cute. Yeah, that's really cute. Um, That was, I really enjoyed um, walking through that reference and I was so glad that you looked that up. So, and I think, I just want to say too, that I think you and I, it's not intentional. It's absolutely (laughs) accidental, but a lot of times we wind up looking into opposite things and really helps round out the (laughs) the episode. Uh, We can cover it all. Don't worry. Um, And we're going to cover it twice now. Um, My third favorite. (laughs) Two fingers. (laughs) Yeah. Episode 19. We renamed this one No Pigs Allowed. We get, this is the country club episode. We get a string of Kennedy references from Anthony that were really fun to look into. First of all, it was just an awesome line by Anthony, his delivery, um, when he gets, he's reacting to a snide comment by one of those schmeckles, um, from the country club. Mm -hmm. And so he goes into all of these things about the Kennedy. So I spent some time looking back into JFK, his daughter, Caroline's 1986 wedding. Uh, and then also at Jackie's second husband, Aristotle Onassis, and his infamous private island Scorpius, which, by the way, if you all don't remember, as of 2022, I think 2022, you can stay there as long as you have Scorpius money. So that was my other one. <laughs> so my last one was episode 20, the King James Bible. Mm. 
So that was a real deep dive for me. Mm-hmm. And the short, I mean, the very, very short version is it's wild to me how that came to be. Um, how the king commissioned this Bible essentially for all these, for all these reasons he said out loud and then reasons he didn't say out loud, Mm -hmm. but self-serving, I think is one way that Mm. you might describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's still so influential in religion today. Mm -hmm. It is still like probably the most popular, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's probably the most popular translation Mm -hmm. or at least the most well-known and it's still super influential and it came about many, many moons ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, or the fact that like just the ability for people to finally know what was being wink, wink told to them versus like maybe what was actually there in text. I mean, we could unravel that story even years later, but this idea that um, they're finally being able to see things. I mean, I'm sure there's a good through line there from all of that happening to all of the revolutions kicking off, Mm. enlightenment period, all of these things that essentially... Uh, change the course of history. So read about it and listen to episode 20. We talk about it. Southern references? Yeah, let's talk about them. Um, These are the most important. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Yeah. Uh, Even if you only hear one accent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gee, wah, wah. (laughs) Are you kidding? Sometimes I hear my accent back and there's like certain words and I'm like, oh, God. Anyways, over the course of the season, between the two of us, I did more math. Oh, no. It could be right. It could be wrong. It doesn't matter. I counted all of mine up, all of my Southern references. Oh, wow. I also did you a favor and did not ask you to count yours Thank up. Thank you. Also, I think, actually, I think we usually ca- catch different Southern references, so I just estimated yours. I just put it <laughs> into a quick algorithm. <laughs> I pulled out my spreadsheet. And um, I estimate that we together caught about a hundred Southern references. And this is a slight uptick from episode one. (laughs) From season one? Thank you. (laughs) From season one. I think we were somewhere in the nineties range then. Okay. Okay. My best memory. Uh, So tell me what was a top favorite Southern reference for you? One of my favorite things in the world is um, what's the word for it? Like super hidden, like, huge easter egg that like, like you subconscious no. you like really have to be looking for it i'll mm. just give you my example and okay, then you'll know okay. what i'm talking about the chief nakahoma sign in the background in claudia's bedroom in episode two yeah um so so not a big part of the set it is this tiny little thing but it is um we covered in season one we talked about the atlanta braves which mm-hmm. is our hometown baseball team how chief nakahoma was their mascot for years and years and years until mm-hmm. We decided, yes, that's probably inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So we stopped doing it. But by the time Designing Women was around, it was still a thing. And so in the very background, you can make out Chief Nakahoma's face. And I was so proud of myself for noticing it. It made me feel like a true Atlantan. It was really, yeah. I showed Casey, like, trying to get him to find it. And he was like, I see nothing. Ah, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) No, I'm saying that's how good your eye is. (laughs) Nikki has better eyes than all of us. My magic eyes. Yes, it's so magical. Um, Okay, my first one is episode 11, Howard the Dud. The entire cold open is squarely focused on Southerners. So it starts with Charlene upset over the article that 
we could not find about Southern presidential candidates mm. that had some disparaging remarks, blah, blah, blah. People born and educated here were dumb, blah, 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 blah. And then Mary Jo talks about the assumption that you're dumb if you have Southern accent, like literally the genesis of this show. Uh, we also get a reference to Dukes of Hazard, which is a Southern show. Then there's a conversation about what makes someone a hick. That's a callback to one of our very first extra sugars in season one. And then the whole thing is capped off with a delicious message from Julia to the editor of the magazine. Mm -hmm. And so that's my, that was, uh, oftentimes we're grasping at straws. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm like, they said a word. And I'm sure that's Southern sounding. Right. And I mean, you're always looking at me like, good job, Selena. Excellent. (laughs) Moving on. And this one, there was just no getting around it. It's a true Southern reference that goes on for like three minutes. Yeah. So speaking of grasping at straws, uh, my next one is sort of a grasping at straws one, but it was also one of my favorites. Wonderful. Outhouses from season one. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how they're not exclusively Southern at all. I mean, they've been around for centuries and it started probably in Europe and um, how it, but it's just become a, associated with the South for all those reasons, Hicks and whatnot. Apparently we can't even have bathrooms inside. Mm, but my mm-hmm. favorite part was that um, at Stone Mountain, there's a an opulent 19th century antebellum example of a three-holer. Oh, God. <laughs> Just when I thought I would never hear three-holer again. That one has really stuck with me all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoy that one. (laughs) I'm going to try and recover and go on to my next one, which is... There's no need to recover. After a a (laughs) three-holer? It's going to take some recovery. Okay, that's getting cut. Just convenient. (laughs) Episode 15, Honk If You Knew the Sugar Bakers Had a Brother, Mm. is an episode dedicated to a very famous Southerner and fellow Georgian and Atealian, Louis Grizzard, where LBT weaves in elements of his real life into Designing Women canon. His Bubba and Earl stories, which are a part of his, like, humorous routine, since he's not technically a stand-up comedian. And then also his favorite college football team, Nikki. Go dogs. Go dogs. Yep. And even some discussion about the Southern eccentric. Mm. So we get all of those things over the course of an entire episode. Um, It is like the living embodiment of a Southern Easter egg. Yeah. That's a good one. And what's your next one? My last one is going to be Tuxedo Road. It was in episode three. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this one again, because if you're not from Atlanta, that might not necessarily sound like an Atlanta reference. But it 100% is. Mm-hmm. And it led to a really fun extra sugar for me researching the uber wealthy Atlantans who live in that Tuxedo Road area and how just the history of that area, how it came to be, the people who started owning land and how they've sold it off over the years. It was just fascinating to me. And I just loved having that one tiny little nugget that led me to an entire extra sugar. That's all we need. That's all I need. Yeah. Just give, give me, me a nugget. Give me a nugget. Mm, Give me a chicken nugget. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. My final one is episode 20, A Smidgen of Religion. I'm not sure, but I think I like that episode. (laughs) It was fascinating to learn more about Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. These were two Southern Baptist uh, missionaries. And 
I particularly learned in, uh, I enjoyed learning about Lottie Moon because, uh, one, she had some really interesting ties right here near us in Georgia. She did some teaching around here. Maybe she opened a school somewhere as well. And then she also turned out to be a low-key, not-so-low-key feminist, which you know I love, and I know you love too. Mm -hmm. And she was very vocal about women being equal to men, and at a time when that was considered unseemly. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So what do you say, season three? Let's, I say it. Let's, you say it. Let's say it together. We all Season, season three! three. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a couple weeks off, but we'll be back with a special episode. How will Selena react to Howard the Duck? Mm -hmm. So again, going back to Howard the Date, what episode did you say that was 13? Oh boy, hold on. Uh, you don't have, no. It's Howard, we call it Howard the Dud. 11. Ah, there we go, 11. Um, so we called it Howard the Dud. It was a play on a 1980s movie called Howard the Duck, which Selena admitted she had never seen. She can't say that anymore. I cannot say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> will she love it? Will she hate it? I'm looking at her face right now, trying to figure it out. I don't know. You'll have to come back and find out with me. Ooh. <laughs> but thank you, seriously, to everyone for listening to season two. Uh, thank you for your questions, for your interest, for your kind words. We mentioned this earlier. Um, just thank you. You want to say thank you? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so come back. we got a special episode in a couple weeks. In the meantime, follow along with us and engage. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet TV. Email sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. Our website is www.sweetteatv.com. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and or a review wherever you're listening to us. Yes, please. <laughs> so, oh, and one more thing. One more vlog. Stick around for extra sugar this week. I've already mentioned it a couple times. We're going to talk about Linda Bloodworth Thomason. It's worth the listen. So what do you say, Selena? One more time for good measure? One more time. We'll see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. And the last Extra Sugar of season two. That took me a second. <laughs> yeah. like, what are we doing? So... We've established our math skills aren't great, but I think if I did my math right, so far we've watched and broken down some 46 episodes of Designing Women. Wow. Okay. Which would mean we've had 46 some odd extra sugars. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Holding up? Everything tracking? I think so. Along the way, we've talked on and off about Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who is the creator and oftentimes sole writer, um, but we've never actually gone deep. Extra sugar deep. Oh. oh, so many ways to take that. Keep going. <laughs> in season two, she made history, becoming the first American writer in television history to write 35 consecutive episodes of a series with Designing Women. Something we may or may not have mentioned before. <laughs> Who knows? But we do know she's tired. She must be exhausted, and mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Uh, but this feels like the perfect time. To learn some more, right? Mm -hmm. To finally dig deep and, and learn about her. So settle in, Selena. Oh. I got a segment here I'm calling LBT, a true BLT. You know, oh. a blatant legend of TV. Oh, no? oh that whole thing. <laughs> a blatant legend of TV. Okay. 
<laughs> so I'm going to break this segment into three chapters. We're going to do pre-designing women. We're going to do the designing women era and we'll do post-designing women. Sound good? Perfect. If you have questions along the way, you're welcome to ask. I may or may not have answers. Also perfect. The reason I may or may not have answers is because as I was putting this segment together, I realized I might even characterize LBT, a true BLT, as maybe a little bit reclusive. There's really not that much out there about her. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot more during the height of the Designing Women days. I found lots of art. It was kind of hard to find articles that old, but I found them and I found quotes from her. But there's really not been that much in recent years. So I think I found enough to punctuate this segment with quotes from her. We'd obviously love to interview her ourselves. Any, any day. Any, any day. Come any on. time. Come on. we got a whole segment about you. How much better could it get, LBT? But until that glorious day comes, we're going to settle for these quotes I found. But I wanted as much as possible to hear things through her voice instead of re relying on what someone else is reporting about her. Sure. So I'm going to call out some quotes from her. So with that groundwork laid, let's start pre-designing women. Okay. Starting at the very beginning, it was 1947, the year Linda Joyce Bloodworth was born. In Poplar Bluff, Missouri, her parents were Ralph and Claudia Bloodworth. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I read a few interesting things about her childhood, which I think give us a peek into some of the things we see in the Designing Women script. Okay. Thing one, an LA Times profile of her from 1992 said... As a once, quote, prissy tomboy, she has come to believe that the contradictions in her psyche should be credited to her parents, who were truly loving but functioned as wildly opposing information sources. If it was from her mother, Claudia, that she inherited her reflexive graciousness, she firmly believes that without her father, Ralph, a brilliant liberal litigator, that she'd, quote, just be helpless, probably married to some guy sitting on a pillow and eating bonbons. My dad would teach me things like, no one's better than anyone else. Then my mother would overhear us and say, well, I'm certainly better than a lot of people I know. <laughs> and my dad would just throw up his arms. That's almost a word-for-word -word exchange of something we heard uh, this season in episode 16. There's some black people coming to dinner. Mm -hmm. I think it was Suzanne and Julia. Just give you a sense for how her upbringing really influenced the show. Yeah, wow. Um, that same piece also said, had this quote from her, the advantage we Southerners have is free theater every night at dinner. Nobody takes turns talking. The person who gets to talk is the one who is standing on the ottoman. It wasn't Christmas in my family until my dad had made Aunt Lou cry for voting for Richard Nixon. That's the kind of drama I'm talking about. She said that in saying that she pulled inspiration for the designing women characters from her father's friends. She watched debate back and forth as a kid. Interesting. Okay. The last childhood anecdote I wanted to share was from an article I read about her documentary, Bridegroom, which I think you mentioned, was it Killing All the Right People this season? I mentioned it somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, so Linda Bloodworth Thomason's father was a lawyer who refused to allow the family to join the country club because Jews could not belong. Her grandfather was also a lawyer and was shot by the Ku Klux Klan for his civil rights activities. Her three uncles were also attorneys, including one who was a judge advocate at Nuremberg. She says their voices have inspired her work and that, quote, the great gift of my life was to be raised around these improbable men and their fierce ideas about mercy, justice, Southern populism, racial equity, and religious tolerance. 
So if you... That's a lot, right? I know. I'm like, I need just five minutes. If you were listening closely at the beginning, I'll call out one thing. There was a little reference to country clubs and how her father wouldn't let the family join one Mm -hmm. since they wouldn't allow people who were Jewish to join. That relates back to our extra sugar on country clubs Mm -hmm. in episode 19. So definitely more real life inspiration there. So Linda went on to graduate from Poplar Bluff High School, which I think we talked about at some point tracks with Sharp... Charlene, all this time later, with Charlene's character. Right. Probably in that episode about Monette. Yeah, I, guess, I think Season the, one. The pink asses. No, what were they called? Excuse me? <laughs> what? The, the... Donkeys. The, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, oh. Are they the pink donkeys? Is that it? Why does that sound so dirty? I, I don't know. And you just keep leaning into it. <laughs> Maybe oh, we, should, we should search that one. Uh, But she got a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. After college, she moved to L.A. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happened to me. I was like, what? You go from Missouri to L.A.? Like, where does that swerve happen? Well, the L.A. Times piece I mentioned earlier said she had every intention of becoming a lawyer after she graduated from the University of Missouri with an English degree. But instead, she meandered off to L.A., she said, quote, some friends from college said they were coming out here, and I said, gee, I'll come too. That's how the foibles of youth can hoist you onto fame and fortune if you're lucky. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> so when she got to L.A., she taught English at Jordan High School in the suburb of Watts. After teaching, she worked for the Wall Street Journal in advertising, then became a reporter for the Los Angeles Daily Journal. During that time, she freelanced writing for television. She worked on MASH, Rhoda, and the original pilot for One Day at a Time. Around this time, she met Mary Kay Place, and they began collaborating on scripts together. I had to look up Mary Kay Place because I heard her name mentioned a few times in this like era of um, LBT's life, and the name is so familiar to me. For any Captain Ron fans out there, have you ever seen that movie? The one with... Kurt Russell and Martin Short. Uh, I mean, I know what it is. I never saw it. We got another. We got another. Uh, another write it down. Episode coming. <laughs> Such a down. funny movie. It's a, it, it is a real. I'd probably put that in cult classic level. But it's one of mine and my husband's favorite movies. Anyway, Mary Kay Place plays um, Catherine Martin Short's wife in the film. I had no idea. Again, all roads lead to LBT. Interesting. So anyway, she and Mary Kay worked on an episode of MASH, which was nominated for an Emmy. So for that work, she received a lot of acclaim and a lot of job offers, but she turned a lot of them down. Most of them. Probably all of them, in fact. She said, quote, I wanted to get my own shows on the air. I didn't want to die working these long hours for someone else's show. I didn't want to bleed unless it was for my own show. Man. Uh, Most notably for Designing Women fans, this was also the era of Filthy Rich, which starred Delta Burke and Dixie Carter. I didn't write it down, but I think it was only on the air for a season or maybe two. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's where she met these two actors and sort of brought them on to Designing Women because of also played sisters on that show. There you go. On a personal note, it was also during this time that she met and married Harry and formed their production company, Mozart. They met in 78, they married in 83, and they founded Mozart that same year. Which brings us to the Designing Women era. 
So obviously, as we're going through the show, we're covering this era in pretty painstaking detail. So I'm not going to spend like a ton of time here. But there were a few things happening in the late 80s and early 90s that I think are pretty big mileposts in her life. So I wanted to talk about them. So first up, I'll say that it was the toward the end of this time that she and Harry inked a $50 million dollar. million (laughs) multi-series development deal with CBS. This led them to creating Evening Shade, which aired from 1990 to 1994. I honestly can't remember if we've talked about this here. Do you remember? I don't think we've talked specifically about Evening Shade. Is that what you mean or the $50 million contract? Evening Shade. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so, but Reese is on it. Yes, I think that's right. So is Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Which is the part where I was like... Burt Reynolds was on a TV show? Yeah. That she so wrote. you never saw Evening Shade? Uh-uh. Well, I was the only five-year-old around watching Evening Shade, probably. So this but, is yeah. fascinating to me. It was a pretty significant hit for Mozart. Uh-huh. So again, 1990 to 1994. So it's unclear, actually, as to whether CBS truly canceled the show or whether Burt walked away from the show. He was oh. having some significant marital issues with his wife, Lonnie Anderson. Oh. So I think it's fascinating to me that this show was apparently such a big hit that... CBS may not have even canceled it. Like, it may have been an unintentional show ending. Oh, okay. um, but it was – so as Designing Women was airing, she was simultaneously working on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hearts of Fire is a John Ritter vehicle that came out during this time period. It aired from 92 to 95. So that L.A. Times article describes her in pretty striking detail during this time. A couple of things that stuck out to me. She truly was working incredibly hard. She had all these shows going on. She was writing and rewriting multiple scenes with all these different characters all at one time. And so that LA Times article, which I'll link in the show notes, talks about like how she would go from meeting to meeting, from set to set, and she's just changing these scripts on the fly. I can't imagine. It's wild, right? Yeah. Um, It also sounds like she struggled with the same things that other women in power have struggled with throughout time. So in the context of the Delta Burke fiasco, which is another big thing that happens during this show, Designing Women, that we have not talked about in detail, but will at some point, um, she said, quote, I know that as a woman who has power, that if I even ask for a larger filing cabinet, that could be interpreted as over the top. A woman has to be very careful about how she assimilates in this business. Mm. So in our main episode, I talked about how I would mention the Clinton relationship, and I'm going to talk about that here. It would be weird to talk about this era, like late 80s, early 90s, and not mention the Thomasons' relationship with the Clintons. Um, At this point in time, so those, like, again, late 80s, early 90s, they'd been friends with the Clintons for about a decade, maybe over a decade. So they share Arkansas roots through Harry. Um, They met while Bill was the governor of Arkansas. Uh, In 92, Linda was responsible for a documentary about Bill called The Man from Hope, which was to be played at the Democratic National Convention when he announced his candidacy for president. Apparently, he got some heat for picking her for the job, um, but he bristled and said, Linda's going to make my film. She knows me. She knows what to do. Everyone just needs to leave her alone. So she did it. They screened the film at the convention as planned, and it was massively embraced. Later, when the race with George H.W. Bush got too close for Bill's comfort, Clinton secured airtime on the four major network channels to air the documentary the night before the election. According to an article I read, this was pre-cable, so if you were watching TV that night, chances were you were watching that documentary. On inauguration night, the Thomasons stayed in the Lincoln bedroom. Um, For what it's worth, Linda said in a Hollywood Reporter article that a PBS reporter, 
follow that with me. So Linda says, a PBS reporter told her, they went on to stay at the White House a total of 101 times. That's a lot of times. That's a lot. And there's like a whole drama with the Lincoln bedroom that I won't go into here. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting fact. And, and not a uh, thing with the uh, Thomasons in the Lincoln bedroom. But that's like the Lincoln bedroom in the Clintons is like a big thing. Oh, right, right, um, right. Okay. So she began filming that night. They... Um, on inauguration night, she began filming the next documentary about Clinton and went on to make three more, including Hillary, which was aired with her withdrawal from the 2008 election. So you could say they're close, and they were definitely close during this time. I found this quote from a 92 AP article that I'm just going to leave right here at the end of this era. When the Thomasons were about to be ousted as producers of Designing Women after a much-publicized flap with former star Delta Burke, Bill Clinton spoke to a Sony Pictures executive on their behalf. The Thomasons stayed, and Burke left instead. Okay. There you go. Uh, so post-designing women era. By the late 90s, LBT's once blisteringly hot career cooled off significantly. After Designing Women, Hearts of Fire, and Evening Shade went off, she tried again with the Delta Burke spinoff Women of the House, but it was really short-lived. After she lost her CBS contract, she moved over to ABC to work on Emerald, which I think you mentioned at mm -hmm. some point this season because my mind was blown. Uh, it is a it was a live action show with celebrity chef Emerald Lagasse. The show it's just such a crazy early two thousands concept, right? To me. <laughs> like yeah, it's such a thing of only that moment. Again, a time capsule. Yeah, the show got ten episodes produced between two thousand and two thousand one. But it was poorly received, um, and airing was affected by 9-11, so ultimately only seven episodes of that show aired. After that, things were a little quiet. She wrote a book. She directed some more documentaries, including Bridegroom. And she worked in theater. She wrote a book uh, to a revised First Wives Club musical. And then, of course, she did Ooh. the Designing Women. <laughs> You're interested now, huh? I love First Wives Club. I do love the First yeah. Wives Club. Uh, then, of course, she did the Designing Women play, which we covered in some special episodes this season. Um, but a 2018 Hollywood Reporter column she wrote gives her insights into why she lost some steam just before Emerald. According to that column, which is titled Designing Women Creator Goes Public with Les Moonves War, Not All Harassment is Sexual. When Les Moonves got involved, and I um, googled the pronunciation of his name, and that's how I heard it a few times. So if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, but that's how I heard it. Um, I think you're doing great. Thank you. When he got involved at the executive level at CBS in the mid-90s, he sidelined her, to put it mildly. The piece goes on to chronicle her experience working at CBS during that time period, detailing a number of concerning encounters she had with him and things she heard about him and other people. This piece was written following Ronan Farrow's Bombshell New Yorker article saying that six women accused Moonves of harassment and intimidation. He was subsequently relieved of duty at CBS, and Linda got the last word. She ended her column saying, And as for you, Mr. Moonves, in spite of the fact that I was raised to be a proper Southern female, and with your acknowledgement that I have never in my life spoken a single crossword to you, despite the way you treated me, may I simply say, channeling my finest Julia Sugarbaker delivery, go f yourself. And you know what? I'm not sure there's a better way to go out than a well-timed F you. Do you yeah, agree? Yeah, I do. So I'll Good wrap up her. quickly by saying I was floored to read about her work ethic during the early 90s. I honestly cannot imagine bouncing set to set, actor to actor, revising lines, setting up plot points. 
I am embarrassed to admit how long, and I've admitted to Selena off air, how long it took me to put this one extra sugar together. <laughs> it's a lot. And she was doing this daily for years. I think it's incredible how she did it all. Um, I also loved reading about how those closest to her um, talk about her and how they perceive her. That's in some of the articles I'll link in the um, show notes. Um, she experienced some major tragedy in her life and right around the time of Designing Women, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but her friends just over and over again say how she pushes through. She sees the bright spots in life, um, which I just love. I think there's value in feeling your feelings, but also remembering that if you've survived, you're still here and life goes on and you need to keep moving forward. Um, so I just love that about her. I loved learning a little bit more about her. So I hope this has been a fitting tribute to her. I love it. So thank you listeners for sticking around for this final season two sweet tea and TV edition of Extra Sugar. Excuse me? <laughs> Were you here? I was only asking because when you were trying to record me without my consent <laughs> and I sounded far away, I just wanted to make sure that you felt comfortable with that. <laughs>